Welcome to the Orion X Download. This is a podcast where we discuss big ideas and big trends in high technology. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Orion X Download podcast. I am here with Dr. Steve Perno, my colleague, and the topic today is financial technologies, digitization of financial technologies, cryptocurrencies, and blockchain. And we have a very special guest that I'm going to let Dr. Steve introduce before he gives us a little bit about his background. All right. Well, we're pleased to have Nikolai Vestra with us today. He is the CEO of a cryptocurrency exchange in Indonesia, rather brand new. They've been working for a long time getting things up and running, but they're now going public in a big way. So Nikolai, you want to give us a little bit of background of yourself and how you got into cryptocurrencies? And Yeah, I will. First of all, thanks for having me. We have been building MarketCoin for the last two and a half years. We are based in Bandung, Indonesia. We are trying to open up to the Indonesian market for cryptocurrencies and trying to provide new fintech solutions. I have a bachelor in pharmacy. I pretty much changed my path when I was in university. I was going to study my master's degree in pharmaceutical science. But then in year 2017, we had the crypto boom and I bought in and I could see that this was really exciting stuff. Been thinking about how to define value and things like that and ethics about money and standards today. So, and I saw this was really interesting. And then I partnered up with my co-founder, Gongon Fabrianza, and we started out MarketCoin. And then the last two and a half years, we have just been focusing on building and making MarketCoin a real thing. This has just been an amazing journey traveling around the world and meeting new people in Indonesia and building, networking, learning, educating. And now I'm here on this podcast. <laughs> That's right, culminating. Yeah. So I have to say to our audiences that one of the reasons we got to know each other with Nikolai is through just exchanges of data on social media. Yeah. And I was always impressed with the quality of your analysis and the breadth of your research. And it compelled me to try to know you a little bit better and here we are. So thanks for that. You're welcome. Right. Now, in order to get our discussion going, I want to do a little bit of a historical account and let you guys chime in and then we take it from there. So my observation, as you said, Nikolai, is that Bitcoin comes on the scene and it at some point becomes unignorable. And as time goes by, that universe has been expanding of the people who consider it unignorable. And there was a time when it was really just about Bitcoin and about consensus algorithms and how does it work and how does cryptology comes in? Do we have blockchain without cryptocurrency? Do we have cryptocurrency without blockchain? Why do I use it? All of that. Then we moved to smart contracts and Ethereum became really famous. And that was the hot topic in the market. From there, we went to initial coin offerings that turned out to be a very effective way of raising funds, albeit not exactly kosher from a legal standpoint. It was unclear, at least. Then people started doing airdrops, which was priming the pump with coins that they would just hand over to people. Then stable coins became hot for a while, starting with Tether and then with others. That led to central bank digital currencies as another form of stable coin. And then in recent times, we've had security token offerings and then now initial exchange offerings. And of course, MarketCoin is an exchange. So in that context, what is the lay of the land? Okay, I think that the crypto market is looking healthy. Since 2017, we have pretty much been in a beer market. But 
In my opinion, this has been very healthy for the market to wash out some fraudsters and scams. And we see more regulation is coming. We see new services and we see innovative projects is coming. I still see that if we look at IEOs and STOs and ICOs also, there have been some poor performance also in the open market or the secondary market, you would call it maybe. But we see new solutions and they are easier and they are pretty low risk for fundraising, but still risky for outside. You don't get the security feeling like when you being an accredited investor, like we see in normal market, but this is maybe a new market for the people. It's easy to invest, but it's also a bit risky. But we see more regulation is coming. Right. In fact, the whole regulation framework for these things is still very much work in progress as various governments try to understand what's going on themselves and then try to match it to some policy that makes sense for them. And I see countries really all over the map in terms of how aggressive or how conservative they're approaching this. We should know that there's no consensus under regulation around the world. And this has been frustrating how to navigate in this for us also, because we are a very diverse team. We have people in, yeah, Stephen is in Bangkok, and we have uh, we have people in Silicon Valley, Sukan Magmori, and we have Honas Padiantu, our other advisor. He's based in Indonesia, and our whole team, Gun and the guys. But there's Indonesian law, there's Malaysian law, there's Singaporean law, there's Europe law. Try to zoom in and out. So we try to work with the regulation and we try to look at what FATF is saying and the big institutions like IMF and the central banks and the politicians. But it's still quite a messy market, I would say. Like you say, it's ongoing with the regulation. Yes. The broadest lens here when we're thinking about Cryptocurrency is first to think about currencies in general, and around the world, all the currencies that we're familiar with are sovereign national fiat currencies. So my first discussion point or question for you, Nikolai, is what the heck is going on in the world where we've got negative interest rate across Europe for the most part, we've got growing debt burdens in governments, in banks, and in private hands, and we've got what seem to be increasingly unstable fiat currencies. You have a finance interest and background. So what do you see going on there? First of all, I think maybe we can zoom into that, but we can also try to zoom a little bit out. Because if we zoom totally out, let's look at how is value defined? How do how do we connect natural and social science? How do we measure things? How to connect things? And now we see we go from atoms to bits and vice versa. And we see that money is being created using hardware, software. And what I think we are doing right now in this moment, it's we are talking about ethics, about money and the standards today. Because right now, central banks, their main job is to make price stability for national currencies. They are the lender of last resort, but they also have monopoly on money. And they are together with the nation. So what we are talking about is fiat money. We can talk about the creation of money and the distribution of it. We could look at the layers, the players, wholesale and retail, and also all the markets around money, how to trade money and assets in general. Because it's kind of weird for me that everybody pay to play in this world, but not central banks. So what also interested me a lot is that we move away from pegging our currency to a real asset. So maybe we should do it now. Maybe we should pick value to electricity. And after I found out about this, I was really much looking into this internet of value and 
And this is why we started building an exchange, actually, so we could call it a connecting hub or marketplace. Because I think there's coming a new environment around money right now. And you can call it DLT, you could also call it blockchain, the structure behind it. But it's all about stories of value. And right now, I think we're actually discussing the ethics about value, if we zoom out totally. But if we look into the money markets right now, we see negative interest rates. We see depositors pay banks to keep their money, like here in Denmark and in Sweden, Japan. And we see this quantitative easing where people try to increase the money supply while purchasing government bonds from banks to increase liquidity, like these repo operations. They want to hit some special inflation points. And okay, maybe I'm just... Actually, Nikolai, this is great. I love hearing your vision and the breadth of that. But let's now talk about the Indonesian marketplace. I've read somewhere that about 60% or more of Indonesians don't even have bank accounts. So how is cryptocurrency and how is market coin in particular going to help their ability to have more financial freedom and broader capabilities? What we see in Indonesia, Indonesia is a big country. They are plus 270 million people and it's a big land and they have a lot of islands, maybe plus 17,000 islands and the infrastructure for banking and financial service is becoming a lot better right now. But we still see, like you say, that the last research I saw, it was 38% or 40% who had a bank account, 18%, 19% still use bank products, but they use it through other people. So they don't have an account by themselves. And right now it's about 55 to 60% that has an account in general, but that is also other financial service. So about 40% has a bank account, but 60% has some kind of account. So they can actually, they can use money. I think that this crypto and fintech, it will be like the bridge between the banks and the unbanked people. In the rural areas, actually, many, they are not educated about finance. So people, they also tend to use kind of Ponzi schemes. And I think that we can help this by giving some transparency for them and for the market and give them a safe place for their assets because we want to be a safe place. We want to give people an easy way to their value and to transaction of their value. How do you plan to position market coin with respect to the banks? Do you see them as competitors? Do you see them potentially as partners? Will you help onboarding of the populace? to use banking services. How is that going to work in your view? Right now we see that more and more banks, their business model is getting very disrupted because of the central banks and they are like squeezing the banks because we have so low interest rates. And there is different new solutions, something called the Lightning Network, which is also a layer built on top of Bitcoin. And we see these new distributed layers that is much faster than the banking actually using now. So I think that we can help the bank to optimize their system. And so we are building something called LightBank. And this is actually a way to partner up with the banks so the banks can onboard people into using these new ways of transaction money. It's all about regulation, but I think they will start to use new networks. We also have to remember that the banks are the embodiment of trust and the regulation that goes around it. So their entire underpinning structure is the whole centralized model. And I think this decentralized model, and one can argue just how decentralized, but it's certainly more decentralized than the banking model. 
is fundamentally different. Yeah. So both that, but also the regulation around it is very different. We see now also that the banks need to do something because the big elephant in the room right now is both Bitcoin, but also central digital bank currencies. Because what will happen if the central bank is making wallets? Then they're killing the banking industry. Because right now, the money is being held in the bank and the bank, they have a relationship with the central bank. But if the central bank, they start to make retail money, they will kill the industry for the banks. And the banks don't make a lot of money at the moment. So right now, we also see banks, especially in Germany and other places, start to do like this custodial wallet service where you also can hold your crypto because they need to extend their business model to make money. So I think the banks in the crypto world, they are going to partner up in some way because it's actually the same kind of business if we look apart from a lot of things because we want to do the same we want to be a safe place for people where they can mm-hmm. can have their money so nikolai perhaps we should help for our audience a little bit to talk just a bit about what's been going on in this world of potential central bank digital currencies there have been a lot of announcements over the last few months and it seems to have been triggered particularly by Facebook trying to enter the cryptocurrency world with their announcement of Libra in the middle of last year. And then there was a huge amount of reaction to that by central banks and other financial authorities, even Congress in the U.S. and Treasury departments in Europe and so forth have been reacting to that. And what it's caused is an acceleration of interest by the central banks and projects to study implementing central bank digital currencies. And here in Asia, it seems like China's out front taking the lead, and they've been working on it for some time. And they say that they're going to release a digital one this year. There's a big consortium that just got formed that includes Canada, the Euro, the UK, Swedish Central Bank, Japanese Central Bank. They're going to cooperate on projects And just this week, the chairman of the Federal Reserve said, yes, we've got a number of projects. We're looking at it. So these central bank digital currencies, as you've suggested, may allow the consumer to hold currency in a wallet, cryptocurrency that's tied to the national fiat held in a wallet directly at the central bank. And if they hold it there, it bypasses the traditional commercial banking system. There's also... Should the central bank make a wholesale currency or a retail currency? That is also a debate because should we have accounts at the central bank? Should central banks check and screen new customers for KYC and illegal activities and things like that? Then they will take over the banking jobs because that's kind of the retail way. But they can also make a wholesale currency. We see Fed is also talking about this. Fed now should be coming in 2023, a faster payment system. But that is probably um, a wholesale currency they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But maybe their model will also get disrupted and maybe they will make a retail. We don't really know if they're going to make wholesale or retail. But right now it seems like they're making wholesale first because they don't want to kill the banks from the start. But they need to go the retail way in, in one way or another, maybe. And what we see is that the Chinese model is a two-level model that has essentially both a wholesale and a retail component where they've got designated channel partners, about 10 of them. Interestingly, they've included people like Alibaba with Alipay as potential partners. At least that's the rumors. 
So there, there are yeah, and Huawei. It's going to go yeah. and Huawei. So it's going to go through the banking system. They're cutting the banks into the whole process. But yeah, we'll see how that rolls out as the first one. Any noises in Indonesia about the central bank doing anything there or? Yeah, we know that the central bank have talked to Ripple before. They uh, have been talking about Libra and how to make their own central bank digital currency. But it's still nothing is really on the table. They still do it in the behind. We have not heard anything that is really big. But they are looking into it, that's for sure. I think the whole world is. The biggest cryptocurrency exchanges are in China and in the U.S., And of course, these things are somewhat distributed, so it's a little hard sometimes to say where they are. But the, but those are the, the largest, and uh, it it seems like having a lot of cryptocurrency exchanges in China, and the fact that they've had very significant raises in of their own IEOs, where they even have their own coins on the currency uh, on the exchange, such as the Binance coin. That's helped push the the banking system along as well. Would you agree with that? And do you think that's something that MarketCoin can do? I think so, yes. What we want to do is give people a solution. Also, when we talk about Indonesia, and I've discussed this with Gun a lot also, it's giving people an opportunity. And this is what we will do, because people, they will be able to use the Indonesian rupee and buy into another currency. It can be a decentralized currency, it can be decentralized projects, it can be cryptocurrencies and things like that. But we want to open up the opportunity for the people. I'm not saying that everybody should buy Bitcoin or things like that, but I'm just saying that people should have the opportunity to buy it. So what we try to do is opening up a market and actually have these currencies in front of people so they can buy it in an easy way. Because we also must remember that all currencies are floating right now. It's still a decentralized market, the forex market. So what do you see as the potential for crypto exchanges in Indonesia? How big is the market, you know, in the next year and in the next five years? The market is pretty big. It's hard to say what's going to happen. And we have actually tried to use some of your models also, and you have been helping us a little bit. But we expect the market cap in the world could maybe be one to 2.5 trillion in 2025 for cryptocurrencies in general. And and Indonesia, right now we see some good volume of some of the exchanges and our daily job is to just optimize and show people that they actually have this solution. But the market seems big and healthy. We are projecting that we should be able to get quite a lot of customers, also based on that the Bitcoin halving is coming and cryptocurrency in general. and A lot of people, they also start to talk about what is value and also in Indonesia. So I think that more people, they will actually try to learn about finance and actually try to become more educated in it. And by giving people a choice, I think that more people will look into crypto and more people, they will look into their money. So this Bitcoin having, what is that and when is that? The Bitcoin mining reward halves every 210,000 block. I think it's around four years. And this creates kind of some market cycles because it's like a deflationary currency. Next time, probably in about three months, we will see a new halving and we will see that the Bitcoin reward will drop from 12.5 Bitcoins to 
0.25 bitcoins per block. And that is every 10 minutes that you will get a reward for mining. So I think that we will get quite a growth in users. Of course, in the context of your bigger vision, which was the internet of value and how value is created, how it's accounted for, how it's transferred. Yeah and going from atoms to bits, or at least commingling of the two. I think those are absolutely the right trends. And part of the reason the uses are not stronger is because all the different pieces aren't in place yet. And all the technology that you guys are building is an example of that. So I'm hoping that as time goes by and different components become built and integrated, we're going to have more and more use cases The thing with fiat is that it is extraordinarily a powerful invention. That little paper money does a lot. It's a tough competition, in other words, right? Yeah, but it has also changed over the last year. If we zoom out again, there are different things in this because we have the technology change. Technology will speed up everything, and it will also speed how we transact and how we send. I can send a picture now. Why shouldn't I be able to send money as fast? And I can with Bitcoin. I can send from Denmark here to uh, to Silicon Valley in, in seconds, pretty much, using cryptocurrency. And I don't need to go through all these settlement process and things like that. That's right. That is a very good use case right there. That is a use case, but also the value of money. What is money and what is value? This is also something we're discussing. Should there be monopoly on money like there is right now? Well, we have monopoly within regions at the global level. In fact, the banking system appears to be quite decentralized. I mean, my joke is that traditional banking is decentralized because it's really hard to make it any more centralized than it is. Whereas crypto is centralized because it's really hard to make it any more decentralized than it is. And that both sides are working on their challenges. If you look within a country, yes, there is a monopoly. And there is, of course, the sovereignty of the nation that is behind it. And those are very powerful forces. But at the same time, like you're saying, the technology is disrupting everybody involved. Exactly. And it seems like that Bitcoin is unstoppable. It's like also an elephant in the room because it's just growing on the side, becoming more and more valuable and people, they start to talk about it and it's working. Yes, I think so. I actually think that there are probably a few other coins in that category. Yeah, I agree. That have achieved some level of escape velocity, if you will. I agree. We can take top 10 or top 5 coins. A lot of these coins, they have great... Yeah use cases. Right. So it's not only Bitcoin, but that is just an example because it's like the entrance to all this cryptocurrency that is Bitcoin. So we can start out with that and then we can also go through Ethereum, Rebel, smart contracts and all these kind of things. Now, also the consensus mechanism about these coins is also changing a lot because like Bitcoin is based on proof of work and now we see a lot of coins opening up into proof of stake and yeah there's a lot of debate into how should the coin be but I still think that Bitcoin is the the first mover and the big market and the most valuable and yeah look into some of Stephen's research also because he is giving a lot of good points about why Bitcoin is interesting. So, Nikolai, that may be a good segue into asking you what you're announcing this week and and what coins you're having on the exchange initially and how you plan maybe to add additional coins and what are your plans for your exchange in general over the next couple of years. Also, how are you different from other exchanges in the Indonesian marketplace? We have a lot of plans, first of all. 
Our solution right now is that we are an exchange that are open 24 hours. We are open for all Indonesian people. They can go into the exchange and see charts, and they can make orders. They can get a custodial wallet, and they can hopefully soon also use the exchange as a payment gateway. Right now, we have listed three, actually four coin, if we also include Indonesian rupee, but we have Bitcoin, we have Litcoin, and we have Liquid Bitcoin. A new coin that is pegged to Bitcoin, but faster than Bitcoin. And um, soon we are also going to introduce a stable coin. But this week we have been announcing that you can now do atomic swaps on our platform. An atomic swap is a coin-to-coin transfer. So you can now take your Bitcoin and switch it into Litcoin. And other than that, we are very much interested in microtransactions and how to lower the fees for retail users. So we are building something called Lightbank at the moment. And here we also probably want to partner up with some banks. This is more for like microtransactions, which is working on the Lightning Network. And the Lightning Network is very fast and it's very fast for remittances. It's very fast to do arbitrage. It's very good for payment gateways and it's cheap in fees. But the next year, what are we looking at? We want to become the biggest exchange in Indonesia. That is our goal. The Indonesian market is very big and our goal is to capture 5% of the Indonesian market at least in the next three years. Our exchange right now is uh, is open and it's open for all. They can, people can make a free wallet inside. We are still only open for the Indonesian market, but we want to, to go further out in the world. All right, Nikolai, thank you for a very wonderful conversation. Let me try to do a little bit of summary. So we talked about the historical perspective, going from Bitcoin all the way to exchanges. We segued that into what's going on in the banking industry and the financial technologies and how digital technologies are disrupting money and disrupting value and disrupting banking. That led into the work that you guys are doing at MarketCoin and how you're trying to build an internet of value and a framework for value transfer. And that, of course, led to the last question with you guys having an exchange that is already available on the market in Indonesia, marketcoin.io with coin with a K. And it's available for several currencies and you're adding more, adding atomic swaps and lightning network underneath it, and hopefully growing into new areas as time goes by. Does that sound okay? That sounds great. Well, perfect. We're going to come back and track your progress and look forward to seeing you out in the market. I look forward to that. All right. Thank you, Nikolai. Thank you, Dr. Steve. Thank you all for listening until the next episode of this podcast.